Welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, a podcast where two people who are bad at video games critique bad video game movies. I am your host, Mark Champlin, and I'm joined, uh, as always, by Alex Wallace. What's up, girls and gays? It's a... It's gonna be it's gonna be rough this week. It's a it's a rough day for girls and gays out there. Yeah, I gotta say. So 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 I want to make it clear uh, when I when I when we start the podcast and I and I and I greet all of the girls and gays out there. I want to be clear that if if you're not a girl and or a gay and you're listening to this podcast, that doesn't mean that I don't care about you. It doesn't mean you're not welcome here. I'm just I'm just sending a little special shout out to the girls and gays out there. Anyway, yeah, um, uh, I'd like to to add on to that. I'm actually not okay with you guys. Uh, I really <laughs> only want girls and gays listening. I'm just I'm just joshing with you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that's we need we need uh, we need to join together in this country. There's too much division We're separating each other into little boxes, and you know I'm I'm just not okay with that. This identity politics has really got to go. Okay, so this week. Um, we're, 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 I'm putting a, a content warning on, on the podcast because this week we watched, uh, 2007's Hitman, um, and this movie, uh, is extremely violent in a lot of ways. Um, it is also deeply misogynistic and it is really just repulsive in the ways that it depicts, sexual violence and sexual assault did you think you would have to put a transphobia warning uh on the episode about hitman oh yeah there's a yeah there's a brief majorly transphobic joke in this movie as well so i just kind of want to like put that all up in front that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on for most of the episode Um, yeah absolutely this this is gonna be it's gonna be a pretty like heavy episode so the this content warning was certainly uh, warranted. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would definitely say that uh, if you are, if yeah, if you're sensitive to super violent things or like, yeah, violence toward women. I had trouble and... getting through this movie. I'll say that. Like, right. it was really hard for me to like sit through this film. Um, so we're gonna kind of briefly go over the film as a film, um, and then we'll kind of really dig into the the gender politics stuff um so uh yeah as a film it's it's definitely I, it's more of a film than some of the other movies we've watched i can definitely say that it's it's got a lot of things going for it and it's got a lot of things going on uh like i think we both agreed uh, on the cinematography yeah it's um it's pretty strong. Yeah, so the fir- for the first I would say 30 minutes of watching this movie, I was like wait, this is good. Like mm-hmm. wait, this is like it, it there it has this really like striking opening sequence where like uh, you know, it so the briefly the plot of Hitman, Agent 47, he's bald, he's got a barcode on the back of his head, uh and he he's an assassin, he, a hitman, if you will. Um and he he goes around and and murders people for spoilers at the end the CIA, um, and he was like you know raised in this weird facility with all of these other bald kids and they all have barcodes on them and they all are trained to be assassins and shit and like the opening 
credit sequence of this movie is just like these like brief kind of like dreamlike flashes of like you know this weird facility where all these kids are getting fucking barcodes tattooed on the back of their head while like Ave Maria plays in the background and it's all like really starkly lit and like then like you know all, a lot of the opening sequence there's all these like close-ups and like you know they use like the shadows really well to make it like feel really claustrophobic and grimy and like mm -hmm. i'm sitting there watching this and i'm like man we're watching a good movie for the podcast i'm gonna get to talk about cinematography for 15 minutes and bore the shit out of everybody it's gonna be fucking awesome i'm gonna get to say the phrase mise-en-scene <laughs> Is it Mizeon-sen something? You said that in the last episode. I did. I did say no, don't think that went unnoticed. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry. Uh, I actually, um, so the credit sequence, I, <laughs> I thought it was kind of corny. It is. I gotta, I gotta be honest. It and is. It, it didn't really work for me, but when you talked about the, the actual first like scene of action in the movie, when you see the investigator uh, kind of go into his home and find that agent 47 is already there and he's already been fucking shit up. And uh, so that was a really powerful moment for me, a good establishing uh, shot for yeah. both of those characters. The film is like kind of structured around this, like uh, I'm totally blanking on this word, which is making my film school show off bullshit look really bad. But you know, it's kind of like, like it's structured around this flashback of, uh, where you know he's you know in the house with him threatening him with a fucking gun and then they you know go back to three months ago and then it's a whole fucking mm -hmm. thing i really the the movie yeah it's, it's a push and pull between the two uh the two main characters which are the asian 47 and the uh lieutenant uh of uh he works for interpol and they're it's it's like a chase uh yeah. kind of around the I, I kind of really the don't agents i kind of really just don't see much value in going over the plot of this movie beyond just saying like there is a competently executed three-act structure in this film there is tension scenes play out in a way that makes sense and like this is the thing is like we've been this is episode five of the podcast for those of you who have been with us for a while and you know we've been watching really fucking god-awful films and so to have something that was like you know, really nicely shot and like competently put mm -hmm. together. I was like easily won over. I feel like it was a treat. And imagine our disappointment, viewers, yeah. uh, in in finding that this movie was so repugnant uh, in terms of its like content and its uh, writing of its characters that we couldn't even enjoy the fact that it was kind of a good movie. Yeah. Otherwise, um. So there's two like moments in the film that we wanted to hit before uh we just get into why this movie is disgusting um one mark tell me about the sword fight so uh as as we discussed uh hit uh our hero hitman is <laughs> is but one of several hit hit men and um they show up they're there's there's a point where uh, basically the other hitmen are sent to try to kill our hero, the hitman, and uh, he's on this train car trying to like run away, and then for out from under the seats, three other hitmen with bald barcode head red suit men uh, come out, and everyone has two guns, and it's a Mexican standoff where they're all pointing the guns at each other. It's four people. Four people pointing car. the guns 
all at each other in a single train car. So already this uh, this setting is like very cramped and claustrophobic and like dynamic uh, because there's windows to break everywhere and you can just feel the tension. And suddenly the main character says, "Let's let's if we're gonna die, let's die with a little respect." Uh, so they he all says, he says, "Let's die with dignity." That's right. And so they all in oh, in unison <laughs> oh. drop their. Yeah, they all in unison look at each other and then uh, uh, drop the the magazines out of their guns, set aside their guns, and all all four of them pull out two, they with one with each hand pull out uh, like machetes. No, it's not a machete. They're like they're like katanas. Yeah, yeah like they two, all like, pull out samurai kat- swords at the same yeah, like two. in unison. They both have two, mm-hmm. and then they just start fighting each other well it's the three of them versus him really yeah uh and they they all start fighting with swords and it goes all around the train station until it eventually ends with him stabbing two dudes and then uh hanging the third one with his own necktie uh over the the bottom of the train or something oh man it's yeah so (laughs) We're going we're gonna to talk about the kind of, like, general brutality of this film. But real quick, something I want to mention before we kind of start digging into it. Uh, there's a scene in this movie where the hitman, like, ends up in someone else's hotel room by breaking through a window. Like you do in an action film. It's awkward. Um, and there are two people playing Hitman the video game in the hotel room. And I, I don't really have any, like commentary on that i just i just thought you needed to know that about this film was that the first time in the movies that we've seen that uh they've done like a fourth wall breaking this is a this is a video game wink wink there's the end of the super mario bros movie where they they do the fake out with the at the post credit sequence with the oh yeah that's right that's right they do do that yeah i think that's the only other one the only um yeah that's I was thinking of in Street Fighter at the very end where they say, we got this new guy, Ryu. Yeah, He's a very strong fighter. It's not really fighter, that, yeah. That's just a wink to the audience. It's yeah. not acknowledging its video game-ness. No. Yeah, it's, it'd be really weird in the, uni- in the universe of Hitman where the secret CIA uh, program is... The, there's a video game made about it and it's played in that universe. I don't want to get yeah. too meta. Yeah. Um, so... So one of the first things that I noticed, like going to watch this film, is that it's rated R, um, which is stands out from all the other films that we've watched. It's the first R-rated movie we've watched, mm-hmm. and this film is like so fucking brutal and like violent and just and like we're going to talk about the ways that the violence towards women is like, especially disgusting, but just generally like it's an unpleasant film to watch within the first 20 minutes. The hitman has put a bomb inside someone's throat by cutting them open. And then he mm-hmm. blows everyone up in a sequence that takes place in Africa. That's, you know, Africa depicted as it's always depicted with a bunch of dudes with machine guns and headbands driving around in a Jeep in a place where people don't have money. Yeah. And yeah, just, just brandishing machetes and yeah. swinging them and yelling. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Africa. Yep. You know, that's how, that's how Africa is portrayed in, 
in Western films, period, always. Um, There's a lot of um, arterial blood gushes in this movie. Yeah. Like a whole lot of, uh, there's multiple like shots to the neck and just uh, lots, there's no shortage of fake blood uh, splashing onto nearby uh, bystanders. Okay. So there's a character in this film named Nika, I think is her name. Um, she mm-hmm. is essentially a sex slave to the president of Russia. And at some point, for whatever reason, the hitman thinks that she witnessed him trying to assassinate the Russian president. And so he is gonna go murder her to and he does this by he walks up to her on the street and pulls out a gun like he's just gonna shoot her in broad daylight which compared to the rest of the film is not a very like clever assassination plan but anyway yeah like he sucks at his job for that one moment so she's this like you know kind of punk rock looking girl with like a lip ring and like a tattoo of a lizard of some kind on her face and he's like gonna kill her and then notices the tattoo on her face and you know then there's like a flashback to him getting the tattoo on his head and he says something like oh like you know why did you get the tattoo on your face and she says like because it's the only place where he wouldn't hit me and then the hitman i guess takes mercy (laughs) on her and takes her with him and begins this just god that Be- begins his his romance with her. Yeah, Agent know? 47 <laughs> in this movie with this woman is in such an abusive relation like it is such a just, just disgusting depiction of an abusive relationship and like the way that it's written is just so obviously created by someone with who has never like had a conversation with a woman in which she was honest no. with him in his life but before we continue with like this because this will be the remainder of the episode i'm guessing yeah. uh talking about this, this is fucked all, up relationship this is and, all i want to talk about and this the way that this movie uh chose to write its only female character the only uh, one this this relationship between agent 47 and this prostitute is like the emotional core of this movie so that's why it's especially bad that this is like such an utter failure is that this is all that we have. This is, this is what they gave us it, for the emotional, like this is the heart of the movie. Like we're supposed to like really like be rooting for these two people who are like brought together against odds, I guess. But what we're left with is just like, just her in like, just as bad of a situation as she was before, but now she's with the protagonist and the protagonist is the one grabbing her by the hair and throwing her in the trunk. Yeah, like the protagonist, Agent 47 is, you know, okay, like he's a hitman. He kills people, you know, that's the premise of the film. You can't get around that. But like Mm -hmm. usually when trying to make this, you know, a movie about an assassin, you kind of try to make him like a noble assassin. You kind of, you know, he only, he, you know, he's killing because he has to, but, you know, he feels really bad about it. And he, you know, he follows a moral code and all of this shit. Like, 
Agent 47 is an unrepentant sociopath. He mm-hmm. is brutal and, like, petty in the way that he just, like, callously murders people. And the way that he treats this woman is just absolutely disgusting. Like, he, the, within, like, the first, you know, 20 minutes of her being introduced, he has, like, put her in the trunk of a car with a dead body and, like, driven her for miles like that. There's a scene where they're, like, they get into, like, a tiff in the car, and he says, stop talking or I'll put you back in the trunk. Um, and... Yeah, he's he's holding a gun to her head every other scene, also. And, and then they try to sell us on the idea that she's attracted to him. Oh my god, that was the moment when, like, she starts kind of flirting with him and eventually, like, tries to have sex with him. I was like, this is unforgivable. Just the idea, there's no way that, like, a woman was on this writing team. Because she would be like, hey, why the fuck does this girl want to fuck this guy after he has brutalized her for... And, like, like he... The, the the difference between him and the Russian president who like abused her and beat her is like, oh, at least he didn't like quote hit unquote her. Like he doesn't hit her, I guess, but he grabs her by the hair, throws her in the trunk of cars multiple times, uh, belittles her constantly, uh verbally abusing her. Um it's yeah, he's just like unforgivable, and I don't understand why she'd be like why she'd suddenly think that like he's attractive and is is it just like a like like were they trying to they weren't trying to sell it as like a stockholm syndrome thing because they they don't like play into that at all no like we're supposed to find the fact that she's attracted to him like charming and cute like yeah like total there's we're it's we're supposed to find it totally believable that like she oh she got drunk and now she's coming on to him like yeah, that's so, like so, <laughs> there it like literally it turns on a fucking dime there's a scene in this movie uh-huh. And, like, increasingly every time this character was in a scene, I, like, tensed up. Because I was just like, God, like, what, like, I was so, I felt so, like, disgusted and so anxious about, like, what they were going to do with this plot line. And there's yeah, a, like, what what fresh hell is this now? Yeah, and there's a like, scene. now she's in her backless dress. Oh, yeah, God. <laughs> no, there, there's a scene where she wakes up in bed with her in the room she's sleeping naked in this in a room with a dude who put her in the trunk of a car with a dead body and she wakes up naked and like we see like fucking full front frontal fucking nudity with her getting out of bed and like you know like giggling and like flirting with him and it's just <sighs> fuck man do you want to do you want to mention the 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 little uh little flirting conversation they have in the car about the luggage <sighs> <laughs> the yeah so i don't remember what the setup is for this the, oh the, i do the, the thing with the gag do you remember yeah okay, yeah. yeah so she um i remember the whole conversation she she notices there's lots of magazines in his car and she's like why do you buy these magazines he's like i buy them for the advertisements and she's like why do you need to buy this type of luggage in these advertisements? And he's like, well, cause this suitcase is the perfect size for my, and then he names his gun in technicalities. He's like, it's perfect size for my, my sniper rifle, blah, blah, blah caliber. And it can hold that and that. And it can also hold a gag for talkative little girls like yourself. 
and it's just out of nowhere he's like like this is the most personality he's ever shown in a single like line of dialogue and it's just like suddenly whoa um and she responds uh, she's like do oh do you think we have time for foreplay oh, fuck man this is this is sexual banter and like sexual tension that is completely unearned and was put in the movie because your average video game movie going watcher in 2007 was a male age 18 to 34 who likes seeing the titties there that is the only reason that this character exists uh and it's just it's just very obvious and it's just goes to show like what type of like representation of a female character that uh, that uh, screenwriters thought that an 18 year old boy would want to see, which is just a, a brutalized alt girl looking prostitute who just mysteriously magically wants to have sex with you, even though you're a dick. Yeah. Like agent 47 <laughs> is just like, you know, like, during 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 the golden era of me watching this film, like the first thirty minutes before they like introduced the character that made me want to fucking scream, I was kind of on this thing where like, oh, the hitman's kind of not the protagonist, because mm-hmm. like they have this you know like inspector character, like this Interpol agent who is kind of like chasing the hitman down, and I'm like, okay, so the hitman is kind of like you know, kind of this, like, evil specter of the film. He's, like, hyper-competent, and, you know, he's, like, a supervillain, basically. And and as a filmmaker, wouldn't you say, if you were going to make a Hitman movie, that's what you would do? That would be the smart like, thing to for do. for sure, because, right? because, you know what? <laughs> when you try to make <laughs> the emotional heart of your film, when you... Because about, uh, I would say, 30, 45 minutes into the film, uh, I had dropped that... <laughs> I had dropped that theory because it becomes clear that no, we're supposed to be sympathizing with the hitman. Um, <laughs> Great idea. Yeah, and it shows you that if you have a character whose entire thing is that he's really, really good at murder and does it a lot, and he's just he's he's just the best at murder. It's just all he knows how to do. And then you try to take that character and make him sympathetic like agent 47 is like he's like he doesn't have any emotional reaction to anything in the film he is like completely wooden he is like but there's like these random little moments where he just like decides to be slightly less of an asshole and we're like supposed to like applaud him like there's all these moments where like he's like gonna break her arm or shoot her in the fucking head or like throw her into the trunk of a car again after the first time he already did that and then he's like you know he has he feels an emotion i think and then he doesn't do it and we're supposed to be like wow He's really feeling something. This totally makes up for the fact that he put her in the trunk of a car with a dead body. Yeah, there's there's a moment where he almost kills the the first time he meets the inspector, he almost shoots him in the head and then the girl is crying and goes, "No." And he goes, "She she saved your life." And then drags her away and doesn't kill him be, even though he's already killed like 15 people in front of her. I guess this one more would be uh so he, he he wouldn't kill 16 people in front of her because that's not what a gentleman would do <laughs> if 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 milady says please don't kill this one then i don't kill this one 
Yeah, and I think like it's like the decision the decision to make this an R-rated film and to like you know, display the hitman as like, oh no, this would actually be brutal as fuck if this person was going around and murdering all of these people. And like, oh, if you had someone who was entirely dedicated to like, you know, just murder and was raised with just murder, that person would be pretty fucked up, wouldn't they? You know, yeah, if- that that's fine, but you can't also make him the protagonist. Exactly. Here. And so like, but the the thing is like, if this movie was like slapstick and like kind of silly in the way mm-hmm. that like, you know, Tomb Raider is was d- a dumb, like goofy action movie. You know, yeah, it, Tomb Raider did not take itself seriously. Yeah, it it, it doesn't. Not for a second. Yeah, uh, like this movie kind of like aims higher than that, but I think that's a mistake because this uh-huh. character can't sustain an actual narrative with actual stakes, with actual like emotional resonance because it just isn't there. Because this character is like you're so disgusted by him like the way that he treats this woman is just so like abhorrent that like there's no way that i will feel sympathetic for him i'm not rooting for him i don't care if he succeeds and it's so wild that they managed to fail so uh so spectacularly with like making us care about this main character because the the very structure of the hitman story gives them such an easy like such an easy pathway to him being a sympathetic character it's the fact that like like think about how hitmen are created they're like they're like orphans who are stolen as babies and like raised to kill like they don't go into his backstory or his childhood like even a little bit at all they always see is they have that they have that intro sequence and that's it yeah we don't we don't know like there's no like like fucked up professor from his past that he has to confront the memories of there's no like weird government agent i i immediately thought of uh, have you seen stranger things uh parts yeah so the 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 girl in stranger things 11 mm-hmm. the like science experiment girl right like her whole first season arc is her like escaping that facility and then like coming to terms with like the the father character who like quote unquote birthed her in the the laboratory and like raised her to like be this fucked up superhero person but also just exposed her to horrible things and ultimately was just using her as a tool and like she like uh she has to like come to terms with like the fact that he was actually a bad person and he did all this horrible things to her i felt like with the hitman there was like there was like room to like have him have some sort of complex relationship with his employer that way. And it's just not the case. Yeah. Fuck man. Also, he could have not like been shitty to women the whole time. Those are two things. Give him a backstory and have him be like 48% less shitty to women. Yeah. And you know, maybe a hundred percent less shitty to women. (laughs) It's, it's really incredible. Like uh, you know, we said this earlier, but I really want to stress. I'm trying to be realistic. She here. is the, <laughs> she is the only like female character with a major like speaking role, and she is just she is a like sex slave who is brutalized by everybody she comes across in the movie. And then eventually, like, like saved also, and then in the end, he buys her a. Uh, a vineyard yeah hang on did we talk about did we talk about the part where she tries to fuck him 
Uh, yeah, she gets drunk and she tries to fuck him. Yeah. Uh, and he knocks her unconscious to avoid having he sex with her. He stabs her with a syringe. So, yeah, she, like, comes on to him and, like, pushes him onto a bed and is, like, trying to, like, get him to fuck her. And he stabs her with a syringe in the neck to get her to pass out so that she will stop raping him. I you know, like a normal person does. You know, instead what are we of watching saying, that week, last week more? instead of saying no, you stab him with a syringe. This is the worst movie that we've watched. I was when we started. You were so I, ready to make it the best. I was so, so ready, ready to be like, "Wow, this is the best fucking movie we've watched for this podcast by a mile." It's really well shot. What are we watching next uh, week, Mark? Yeah, that, that Sephiroth fight's looking pretty good. Oh, looking back, isn't it? Man. Yeah. The best worst movie. What are we watching next week? We're watching uh, Doom. The the Dwayne the Doom Johnson uh, stars in this 2005 romp through space as we tackle uh, the, the day's most compelling... Uh, uh, chases through Mars facilities in first person. Yeah, two things I know about this movie. One, The Rock is in it. Two, there's a first person section in it. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm really Three, excited. I'm pretty sure this is going to be dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be an awesome movie. And I think, <laughs> I here's my, I'll call it right now, fucking, I, I'm prepared to be wrong, but like you can screen cap this tweet. Uh, <laughs> This movie, I think, is probably rad, and I think that uh, it was. I think it's going to be rad, and I think that that haters uh, haven't given it a second chance. I've never seen it, so I'm looking forward. I to haven't it. seen it either, uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it. Before we sign off here, I want to make one more note about Hitman (parentheses 2007). There's a character in the credits who's just credited as Belikov's whore. How do we end the podcast, Mark? Belikov's whore is my favorite episode of Game of Thrones. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we end the episode. Um, so the the bit, the how do we end the episode bit, uh, we both decided was uh, getting a little stale. And then we also uh, uh, did not come up with something better. Yeah. Uh, so and by that, I mean, I did not come up with something better. So we had like a 10 minute conversation before we started recording the podcast where we were like, all right, the bit where we, where we don't know how to end the podcast has run its course. We need to figure out how the outro goes. And then we didn't come up with anything. And I was like, don't worry. It's fine. At least for this week, we can make it a bit about how we talked about this beforehand and still don't have an outro for the podcast guys guys dead ass 10 minutes me trying to think of an outro <laughs> so uh, so mark's action I'm... item for next week is to come up with a with a catchphrase yeah uh, my catchphrase is i'm an utter abject failure and i've never been funny or entertaining so see ya losers yeah bye Cartridge Cinema Club is created by Mark Champlin and Alex Wallace, and is produced by Alex Wallace. The music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. 